Good morning. Who here gobbled till they wobbled this week? Uh, but were you wobbling beforehand? I love you. <laughs> uh, good morning. My name is Mike Dennis. If you do not know me, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. I do hope that you all all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. I had a Thanksgiving, and it was great. It's over now. Um, I'm I'm grateful that we had it. I'm grateful that it's over. It was fantastic. We got to spend time with family. We got to spend time with friends. Um, my daughter celebrated her 15th birthday. How am I that old? It's ridiculous. She starts driving in like two months. Ugh. Ugh. Um, there's a few things uh, happening here at Greater Alton that I want to let you know about. Um, they're in your bulletin. Um, well, two of them are in your bulletin. One, uh, on January 7th, on Sunday morning, we're having our next year is here banquet brunch thing. Uh, there will be there will be more information uh, at, to come. Uh, there will be sign ups and everything. Uh, pay pay attention for that. On Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday this year. Instead of having our normal morning service, we're going to have a candlelight service, and this year it's actually going to be a candlelight service. Um, yeah, some of you got that joke. Uh, that will be at 6 p.m. instead of 10 a.m. Again, on Christmas Eve, there will be no morning service. Everybody heard that? Got that? There will still be somebody show up at 10 a.m. on Christmas Eve. No doubt. It might even be me, and I'm the one who said it. Um, so that's coming up. Something else I want to let you know about that is not in the bulletin is this next weekend, a young man named TK will be coming to town. Kind of an interview process is both ways. He's going to check us out. We're going to check him out. Exciting because he's coming. He's interested in working with the young men in the youth ministry, much like Sydney did. And we are so grateful that somebody is interested in coming. Huh? Yeah, you do the young women. That's, but you the same process. I'm talking about the process, not the people. Yes. Uh, so be praying about that. Be praying that he's a good fit, uh, that he fits well with us and we fit well with him, and uh, that the Spirit can move much like it did with Sydney and Mark. We are so glad that they are here. I'm glad that all of you are here, not just Sydney and Mark. Um, we are in the middle of a sermon called This Is Our Sermon Series called This Is Us. Sorry, I got distracted. Uh, the title of today's lesson is not title. That's okay. I think that's awesome. Title. I'm going to start naming all my sermons title. Then I can't mess it up, right? So uh, today we're going to start a sermon. We're going to finish it next week. It's called Room to Grow. Room to Grow. We've been in this sermon series, Building the Church of Jesus. This is us and what it means to be the church and what it looks like to be the church. Tim and Alan and Gary have been up here talking already during this sermon. Um... Tim's talked about how it's the, the, the greatest thing to be a part of. Alan talked about worship. Gary talked about membership. And then the last two weeks, Tim has been up here talking about ministry and how we are made as a church body, as a family, to do these things. We're made to worship. We're made to be a part of the family. We're made to be involved in ministry. All of us here, Tim made a really good point. All of us here are ministers, not just the guy that's up here. We are all ministers. And I've really enjoyed this sermon series. I hope you guys have enjoyed this sermon series as well. Today we're going to talk about room to grow, and before we jump into the lesson, I want to ask you guys a riddle, and it's on your notes if you have a bulletin. 
It's called the riddle of the Sphinx. And many of you probably already know what this riddle is. It says, "Who? what has four legs in the morning, two at noon, and three in the evening? Now, in, in mythological stories, this is what the Sphinx asks the traveler, and that's how you got to get past, by getting it right. Much like Monty Python, what is the airspeed velocity of a coconut-laden swallow, African or European? That's just me. Okay. Um, but what has four legs in the morning, two at noon, and three in the evening? Well, the answer is humanity. It's man. In the morning of our life, at dawn, we crawl on all fours. As we grow up, we start walking on two. And at some point, as we age, we might need a little bit of a support. Charlie's got one, a cane, to walk on three legs. The answer is man. And it implies that we're supposed to grow and we're supposed to mature. And for the next two weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about growing and maturing as the church and as members of the church. Uh, I don't know how many of you, when you've had kids or when you were growing up, had growth charts hanging on the wall. Uh, my sister-in-law made one for us when we moved to our new house. She took measurements because for us it was just pen and pencil on a wall, right? That's... But she came as we were moving and she measured each hash mark and then made one. And it's in our house now and we've added to it a few times. It's, it's this way, not this way, right? It's, it's a vertical growth chart. Um, mine has never moved because it's this way. Um, but one of my, you, you've probably all had growth charts for your kids or grandkids. My favorite growth chart, it's actually very, uh, seasonal right now. Um, it's the Santa Claus growth chart. Number one, you believe in Santa Claus. Number two, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Number three, you are Santa Claus. And number four, you look like Santa Claus. I'm somewhere between three and four right now. Somewhere. But while it's fun, that idea represents a real true idea that we are supposed to grow and we're supposed to mature. And there is a difference between growing older and growing up. How many of us have grown up while some of the people we may have went to high school with didn't? Right now, I see a bunch of you shaking heads. You're thinking about somebody. Stop that. Stop. You're probably thinking about me. Um, we've, We've known somebody who's grown older but didn't grow up. And I'm not talking about developmental disorders. Those are real. Those are very real. There are people who physically cannot grow up. They cannot mature because there's something in the wiring of their brain or a growth development that that's a real thing. It could be physical, it could be mental, it could be both. But if my daughters, if the doctors told me that my daughters were healthy and they looked the same way today as they did 10 years ago, you guys would tell me that there's a problem with the way my daughters are growing. And you would be right. Because we're supposed to change. Like I said, my daughter just celebrated her 15th birthday. And I've, been, I've done the mistake of looking at pictures of her growing up. And I'm like, oh, I want to hold her hand when she's like this big. And it's not fair. But if I treated them the same way as if they were this big. If I treated my 15-year-old daughter like she was two, there'd be something wrong with me. If I treated my 15-year-old daughter like she was two, there'd be something wrong on my end. Today and next week, we're going to look at these stages of Christian development. We're going to look at five different ones. 
And we're going to look how that affects all of us. You see, in these points, in these stages of Christian development, you will fall into one of three categories. You are either not there yet, in the middle of it, or already gone through it. I think that, I think that encompasses everybody. You're either not there yet, in the middle of it, or already through it. And these stages of development affect everybody in this room. Everyone in this room. We talk about the church. And, and there's the big C church and the little C church. We are a part of the big C church, but we are God's local family in this building. We're not the only church. We're just a part of a bigger one, but this is our family. And when we talk about this is us, yes, we want, we're talking about the church in whole, but I'm not in charge of the church in whole. Gary's not in charge of the church in whole. Tim is not in charge of the church at whole, and neither is Alan. We're shepherds here. And so when we talk about this is us, this is what we want Greater Alton to be growing and maturing into. We're specifically talking about this family. And so when I say, hey, stage one affects all of us, I'm talking about the people in this room. So what's the first stage, Mike? You keep talking about these stages. Let's get into them. What are the stages of Christian maturity? Well, the first one is birth. Birth, that seems pretty simple. My first stage is I'm born. Well, if you think about life and the riddle of the Sphinx, we crawl on all fours in the morning. We're itty-bitties is what I call them. I have a bunch of itty-bitties in my life right now. It's great. I love itty-bitties, especially the ones that you can send home. They're perfect, like Judah and Quinn. I can get them all sugared up and send them back to Michael and Melissa. And that's what I'm supposed to do because I'm Uncle Mike. Let's look in uh, John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I have said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I would like to point out that in these eight verses, the word born is used eight times. It might be important. It might be important that Jesus brings this up. And also, side note, we're going to talk about something in a minute, but my brain follows weird things. In the previous verse, it says, Jesus answered him. He didn't ask a question. <laughs> Did you notice that? He didn't ask a question. It says, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him. There wasn't a question there. But Jesus knew what Nicodemus needed. He knew what Nicodemus needed. I love that about Scripture. I love that about Jesus. The things you can find as you read that just pop, that God catches your attention and he wants you to see something. It's beautiful. But our first stage is birth. We're supposed to be born. In John, first, I'm sorry, first John chapter five, verse one, 
It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. One verse, the word born is used twice. It might be important to be born again, to be a new creation. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4, it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Newness of life. How many of you guys love that new baby smell? It's a thing. You just don't know it yet. There's a thing like that. Not fresh out of the oven, new baby, but you know. They're a little goopy at that point. But like, give it a couple of weeks. And then you're laying on the couch with your baby. And you're just. There's something about that newness of life, right? Right. There's something about it. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We start our Christian journey by being born again. We are new. God has created a new humanity at baptism. There are two humanities on earth. The old humanity and the new humanity. If you want to get fancy, the new ecclesia, the called out ones. We are supposed to be new. We are apart from the law. God has saved us from the law. We've been washed. Our sins have been taken away. This is the stage where we start seeking God. And it's confusing. Nicodemus was confused. Like, how does this work? How does this work? How are we born again? He's like, do I got to crawl back up in my mom? That's weird. But Romans that we read says we're united with Jesus in his death at baptism. Okay, you just said we had to be born again. Now you're telling me I have to die? Yes. At baptism, we die with Christ. We are buried in his grave. That's his grave right there. We're buried with him. But if we're united with him in his death, surely we're going to be united with him in his life because Just like we come out of the waters of baptism, he came out of the grave and he lives forever at the right hand of God. He has gone ahead to make a place for us and his family is going to come with him and live there. If it wasn't true, he wouldn't have told us. And we're supposed to be born again. We're supposed to die with him in baptism and we're supposed to come out a resurrected new creation out of the waters of baptism. I can see how that's confusing, but that's what happens spiritually to us. We die to our old selves and our new self comes up out of that water. We have that brand new baby smell. It's great. It's fantastic. It's in uh, Matthew 633. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. This is the point you've When you get born, you have started seeking God. You're seeking His kingdom and His righteousness. You're diving into His Word. Somebody has probably studied with you. And you know you're learning what His Word says. And it's exciting. 
And you learn you've got to repent of your sin, which means to turn away from it. And you've got to confess your sin. And you're calling on the name of Christ. And you're praying to him. You're worshiping him. And everything is new and exciting. And you're like, I'm going to give my life to God. And, and you get baptized. And you come out of that water. And we do that circle up here. And everybody's telling you all of this advice. And it's so fun. Birth starts at a mountaintop. It's a mountaintop. It's this amazing experience. But you can't stay on the mountaintop. Life doesn't always happen at the mountaintop. And at some point you're going to start coming down from the mountaintop. And I told you at the beginning of this that you're going to be in one of three parts of each stage. You're either through it, not there yet, in the middle of it, or through it. For those of us that have been through this stage, we're already born again Christians. We're the older brothers and sisters. We're the ones in the circle giving advice. We're the ones saying, hey, 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 you can't do this alone. I want you to think about this. How many babies grow up alone in life? How many babies grow up alone? None. No baby can grow up alone. It is surrounded either by, by a family of birth or a family of choice. It has older brothers and sisters and moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandparents all these people surrounding it to help it grow. And just like in life, baby Christians need that. They need that circle up here saying, hey, 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 you can't do this on your own. You're going to fall. You're going to get hurt. It's going to get messy. It's going to be bad at times. But we're here. We're a phone call away. We're a, we're a five-minute drive away. Everybody in the circle is your family. Your family just got huge. And we're all here to rally around you. See, birth is amazing. It's an amazing mountaintop experience, but not just for the person that got born, but for the family too. Think about the last time you were in a circle singing and praising that somebody just gave their life to Christ and they're giving, they're giving um, advice to them. It's, it's amazing. There's like this high you get, honestly, because the Spirit is moving. And those of us who have already been through it, we have to rally around these babies. And we have to rally around the people who are kind of like, I don't know, should I, shouldn't I, should, this born again thing, it's weird. We need to rally around them. We need to be that family for them. Because they need that family. They can't do it on their own. You didn't do it on your own. Think about all the people that God has put in your life to help you grow and mature from an infant We used to give new Christians a little workbook called Deep Convictions. How many of you actually went through the book? I didn't raise my hand. I never finished it. <laughs> full, full confession. I tried. I tried. But I went through other things. We did that. We would walk alongside a baby Christian after they got baptized to help them. Because babies can't walk. Babies can't even crawl. They can't even hold their heads up. You got to do all that for them. Some of it, sometimes that gets gross, especially when they start on the next stage. We can't expect somebody to just come out and be able to preach the word. I've been here 20 years. No, more than that. And I wasn't up here in 2005. I wasn't up here in 2010. It took a while. I had to learn and I had to grow. We need to be that for the baby Christians around us. And if you are here right now and you're like, Mike, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. 
I want to encourage you, talk to somebody that came, you came with, talk to a family member, pull somebody aside later and be like, what was he talking about born again? He got a little excited. His hands were moving. He was pacing back and forth. I don't know what all that is. They would love, absolutely love and be terrified to talk to you about what scripture says because they don't want to mess it up because it's so cool and it's so important that you can give your life to Christ and be free. Wait, you just said give your life to Christ. Does that mean slavery? Yes, it does, but it's freedom. What? Seriously, talk to somebody. I encourage you because it's the best decision I've ever made to give my life to Christ. It's the best decision I've ever made to become a baby Christian and to just have that newness in my life. What's holding you back? What is holding you back? Older brothers and sisters, are you still growing? past that stage are you still a baby those of us who are older have to be growing we have to be learning we have to be ready to answer those questions i want to challenge you older sister and older brother are you still growing are you still able to answer those questions are you still excited to open up scripture with somebody we all start as spiritual babies we shouldn't stay there how many of you have been a spiritual baby for years? What is holding you back? I want to challenge all of us to, to start growing, to be growing. And again, if you have a question about what I'm talking about, pull somebody aside. Be like, hey, can we talk about this? I only have two points for you today. Figured we all ate too much turkey. We're going to relax. Only two. Only two today. We're going to have three next week. I know, right? So we've talked about birth. Well, the second stage we're going to talk about today is going to sound kind of weird at first. Second stage is solid food. Yeah, solid food. We just had Thanksgiving. We just ate some solid food. I don't know if you consider mashed potatoes solid food. Um, they kind of are. They're like a weird thing. It's one of the best parts of the meal, honestly. Um, it's up there with rolls. Oh, rolls. Bread is my favorite food. So good. Um, I love Thanksgiving. It's my wife's favorite holiday. I don't know if you know this about Cassie. Thanksgiving is her favorite holiday. And uh, it's because she can eat and 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 eat. And then eat some more. It's her favorite holiday. Uh, the year, 15 years ago this week... I got punched in the middle of the night because one Sunday morning, me and my friend Billy kept making fun of her that she was going to miss Thanksgiving because she was going to go into labor. And we were like, oh, that's funny. And that night, I got punched awake at 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, oh, oh, what? She's like, my water broke. I'm like, immediately started laughing and called Billy. That happened. Happened. She did not miss Thanksgiving that year. We showed up at her parents' house that Thursday with a sack of potatoes, and um, that was history. But we just ate all this solid food. Um, a baby could not enjoy Thanksgiving, right? A baby cannot enjoy Thanksgiving the way we enjoy it. Ain't got no teeth. Uh, can't process the chunks. Uh, Charlie, you know that's different. That's different. That's, that's a whole nother story. Okay, so maybe teeth is not the, the necessary requirement to enjoy Thanksgiving. Yeah, knowledge to chew and swallow. It's got, it's got to work on all these muscle groups. 
um, it's got to grow up a little bit, right? Most of us in this room have enjoyed a good Thanksgiving meal. Most of us. I'm not saying everybody did, but I enjoyed a few. Had brisket at the second one. Yeah, jealous. There's a whole lot of leftovers. Um, but we don't just come out of the womb eating solid food. That would, that would seem weird. We gotta grow into it. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready, for you are still in the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And then in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, it says, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. As babies grow, they stop drinking milk and they start eating solid food. The nutrients from the solid food help them build their bodies, help them start getting mobile, and then life is over for the parents. Spiritually, spiritually, we drank milk to become infants, to be babies. And as babies, it's okay to keep drinking milk. It's okay to go over those studies that you read and learned to make your decision to give your life to Christ. It's okay to keep reading that stuff. But at some point, if the only thing you're studying is what you study to become a Christian, you have a developmental delay. At some point, you need to start learning deeper truths. See, it says in Hebrews, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Have you had your powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil? Do you spend time in the word? Man does not live on bread alone, but the very word of God is what scripture says. How often are you in God's word as an older sibling? Remember, you're in one of three part, one of three categories of each point. You're either not there yet, in the middle of it, or gone through it. If you've been born again and you're you just got you're fresh, fresh out of the water, and you're learning and you're growing, yeah, you're going to be on milk. As you grow, though, you need to start moving on, moving on to some harder stuff. Really start looking because the word of God is like a mirror for us. It shows us our life. And it's also like the scalpel that removes stuff out of our life. You're going to start reading and you're going to start catching things. You're going to be like, ooh, ooh, that one kind of hurt. What, why did that hurt? And it's going to be like, oh, that's probably something I need to change. And you're going to grow and your discernment, so your knowledge is going to change. You're going to be able to distinguish good from evil. Like I said, it's okay to crave spiritual milk. First Peter 2, 2 through 3 even says this. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up 
into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. We're supposed to grow by eating the spiritual milk, but we're not supposed to stay there. We're supposed to move on to the solid food. We're supposed to move on to the stuff you can really chew on. I like a good cup of milk. Preferred chocolate milk, but I like a good cup of milk. I really like a good steak. I really like a good steak. I got to go to Chicago on a work trip, which meant all my food was paid for. So, of course, we went and spent as much as we could. And I might have had some of the... We went to a, a Benihana, which I didn't think, you know, Benihana, it's... Terry, it, it, you know, it's they cook it in front of you. Had the best steak in my entire life. And I was like, what? Where's a Benihana? And I'm having the best steak. You didn't need a knife. It went with your fork, and now you're all hungry. You're welcome. But here's the thing. As babies grow from milk to eating solid food, there's a problem. It gets messy. Think about the first time a baby tries spaghetti. I remember the first time my little brother ate spaghetti. Me and my sister started calling him Spot because there was one spot on his entire body that did not have pasta sauce. It was right here. And we'd been watching 101 Dalmatians a lot, so it was like, oh, he's Spot. Um, I think about my own children, well, specifically Kara, not Blythe, because um, Blythe was, when her first birthday cake, she she was very delicate she didn't she didn't like being dirty Kara didn't care we stripped her down to her diaper and this little chunker is sitting on this blanket out in the park and we put her cake in front of her and she it was game over it was a she was a mess we had like just hold her I'll hose her it was a mess It's like that spiritually too. As these new Christians come into our family, they're going to learn and they're going to grow and they're going to start eating spiritual food, solid food, and it's going to get messy. And that's why as a family, we have to walk alongside them and help them. We have to be there when they start toddling and boom, right in the corner of the table. That happens, right? Or when they start crawling and start walking and they find change on the ground and decide to put it in their mouth and start choking. That happened. Now spiritually, that looks much different than it does physically. There's hurts and there's hang-ups. There's sin that we get entangled with. There are mistakes that are made. And as a family, we walk along with each other. We don't condemn each other. I can't condemn you for something you've done because I've probably done it too. And I've been forgiven of it. I've moved on from it. I don't have the same struggle as as a lot of you here. You don't have the same struggle as I have. But as a family, we can walk together and we can make sure we're eating healthy food. On Friday, my family was at our house. My sister-in-law, she's like, what should I bring? And I go, bring some dessert. Okay, cool. She brought chocolate pie. There's only two types of pie I eat. Pecan pie. And chocolate pie. Chocolate pie is just pudding. It's beautiful. Whoever thought of that was a genius. It's just pudding in a shell. My nephew, he's a, he's all boy. He is all boy. He shows up in a white hoodie and they gave him 
a plate of chocolate pudding pie, and he came and sat down next to me, and how there was no chocolate pudding pie on my couch when he was done, I have no idea. Only the will of God kept that pie only on his shirt. His white hoodie looked, but you know how when pudding dries, it kind of looks like dried blood? It looked like he murdered somebody when he was done. Like there was just blood splat, but it was pudding. It was just chocolate pudding. And I'm like, well, you're going to be in my sermon on Sunday. And it didn't stop there because then my daughter got a scoop of whipped cream and was like, oh, this is good. And he thought that was the coolest thing because his older cousins are cool. So he got a plate and filled it with whipped cream and then just tried to eat it all over his face. It's fantastic. I loved it. It's great. But much like that, he needed help cleaning up. There are people in our lives that need help cleaning up. They've been starting to eat this solid food and they've gotten messy. Our study of Scripture needs to move deeper as we grow and we need to help those around us who are younger in the faith move deeper too. If all I did was study out what it means to seek God and how important it was to read His Word, would you want me up here on Sunday mornings? If that was the only thing I studied... How important it was to seek God and read His Word. Would you want me up here on Sunday mornings? You'd want somebody up here with a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more maturity, a little bit more knowledge of what was being said and how it was being said and the context and what it was being said. You don't want me just to come up here and repeat the same thing every week. If you are still young in your faith, it is okay to be involved in the elementary teachings. It's okay to be in spiritual first grade. You're learning to read. You're learning to write. But if you're a little older in the faith and you're still in first grade, maybe it's time to start growing. Maybe it's time to get involved in a sunset Bible study. Maybe it's time to get involved in, in a study with somebody. Sit in on a study and watch. Learn how to study Scripture with somebody. Maybe it's time to join a ministry. You're going to make mistakes. And that's why God gives us a family and surrounds us. Um, last, last week, in the last two weeks, at some point, Tim said that ministry is the classroom in which God matures us. Are you involved in serving somewhere? Because he made a really good point that we're all ministers. Just where are you ministering? Are you involved in serving somewhere? Are you learning how to serve somewhere? This morning it was really cool when I walked in. Nicole is at the Welcome Center teaching Nora how to log people in. That's really cool. That's really cool that she's learning and she's growing. And she's just like, well, she's probably like that now. But it's like, what are we doing as adults? What am I doing to keep growing? What am I doing to keep learning? What am I doing to keep serving? Because I'm going to grow when I serve. Our culture right now has a problem with maturity. Our culture has a problem with maturity, and it's infecting the church too. We're no longer raising adults. We're raising kidults. It's an actual term. I don't know if you've heard this. It's kids that never grow up into adults. Uh, how many of you remember the movie Failure to Launch? Yeah, that was a funny movie when it first came out, right? Now it's life. All these people just don't want to grow up and move out. I work with guys who are 
like there's a few that are like 36 of 38 and still live at home with their parents. There's, I mean, and if you live at home with your parents, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's the situation you're in, you're helping out your parents. These guys are not living at home to help their parents. They just don't want to grow up. There's a difference between growing older and growing up. I said at the beginning. And there's a lot of research coming out and out there now about how the way we are raising children in this country is going, is doing a huge disservice to them. We're not expecting them to maintain and hold responsibility. We're not expecting them to grow up and grow out. I tell my children often, by the time you are 20, I want, I'm going to filter what I'm going to say here. By the time you are 20, I want to live in my house the way I lived in my house when I first got married. I'll say it that way. Out, out, fly little bird, kick him out of the nest. We talk about that. I talk about how I want them to grow up and move out because that's the way it's supposed to be. I moved out of my parents' house when I was 20. I would have done it sooner if I had more money. But it's a, that's the process of things. But it's happening in the church too. We have these new baby Christians, but then a lot of the times I don't expect them to grow. I don't expect them to keep moving and growing forward. I'm not doing anything to help them keep moving forward and growing. And that's challenging to me as I've been studying this out. I've been challenged. What am I doing to help the younger Christians in this church grow and move and keep going? Um, what are you doing to help them grow? As older siblings, we not we need to be an example of what growth looks like, but also a resource to help these babies start eating solid food. Do you still need somebody to hold your hand and remind you things? Like, hey, on Saturday we're setting up for Christmas decorations. Or, hey, this is happening and we need help up here. Or, hey, I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be something coming out soon. Montessori is going to be is renting out our building again like they did last year. And one day after church, Mike, what day after church are we setting up chairs for that? Is that next week? The 10th? On the 10th, right after church, all hands on deck, let's get the chairs set up. So it only takes like 30 minutes, not the two hours it took us last time. It'd be great. It'd be great if everybody's just like, oh, hey, here's an opportunity to serve. Let's go serve. And I get it. Some of you are physically not capable of doing that. This week, I have been physically not capable of doing a lot to hurt my back. I understand pain. I understand not being physically capable. But for those of us that are, let's jump in. Let's show service. Let's, that's a place to grow. It's an opportunity to grow. What about in your small group? What about in your small group? Are there babies around you in your small group? Are there people who are trying to start eating solid food? What are you doing to help them in your small group? Are you in a small group? Are you allowing your maturity to help grow a small group? What are we doing to grow and eat solid food? It's going to take us out of our comfort zone. You see, it was nice when we were just carried around as babies. There are times where I think Quinn's feet do not touch the ground because my daughters carry her everywhere. And she can walk. She can run away from them. It's nice to be carried. I haven't been carried in a long time. I, I don't know if anybody in this room can carry me. <laughs> but at some point, we have to stop being carried. 
And we have to start crawling. We have to start walking. We have to start running and developing those muscles. In, uh, in Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. God is speaking through Isaiah to the Israelites here and he's He's not just talking to them about eating real food. He is. He is. But he's, he's telling them, come, listen to me and eat what is good. His words are good. Other places in Scripture talks about devouring God's word. It talks about how I ate the scroll that tasted like honey. We are literally supposed to consume God's word and it will help us grow. Today you have an opportunity. You can either remain a baby or start growing. Next week we're going to continue this with the other three stages of Christian life. Um, but I really want to encourage you, if you haven't heard the previous lessons, go back and listen to them. They're on the website. Any lesson you want to listen to is on the website, greateraltonchurch.com. You can go listen to the sermons and start building your faith. If you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't been born again, I want to encourage you, talk to somebody here who, who brought you, invited you, showed you something in Scripture, and make that decision. It's the best decision you can. If you have, and you have, if you have given your life to Christ, and you haven't started eating that really good, solid food, there are opportunities at this church to deepen your faith. I, I mentioned sunset. There are sunset classes. There are small groups. There are ministries. There are places to serve and learn that you can grow your faith and you can become uh, more spiritually strong. Talk to those closest to you and be open with what they tell you. I want to read you guys something. It's not on your notes. Um, in my study this morning, it popped up and I, I wanted to share it with you. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. The first week, Tim used part of this to talk about this is us. And I was just like going through the notes. I was like, oh, oh, that's so good. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, it says this. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself on love as each part does its work. You are supposed to mature. You are supposed to grow up. But you're not supposed to do it alone. That passage is telling us we 
are supposed to grow. And we are supposed to mature as a family. There are babies and there are people that are trying out solid food for the first time around us. Us older siblings, let's rally around them and help them as they start to get stronger and they start learning and just taste that the Lord is good. I want to invite you back next week to hear the the next half of the sermon. Um, And I hope that your week goes well, that God blesses you, that he takes care of you and provides for you, and that we can grow together as a family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time, this place, and this family that you have given us. Help us to honor you with it. Help us to be growing, to be maturing. You desire a vibrant and a full family. And that looks different for each family, looks different for each small church in this country and in this world, Father. But you, I, I pray that you work here, that your spirit is moving, that we can walk in step with your spirit and we can do your will, Father, that we can advance your kingdom. I want to pray for those that are hurting right now. There, there are those that are sick. Um, Father, I ask for your healing hand on them. Uh, there are many, and I can't name them all, Father, but you know who is sick in our family and that, that you can work in their life. I want to pray for those who are dealing with loss during the holidays, Father. I pray that they can find the comfort that your Spirit provides and that your people provide and that they can seek you, Father, and lean on you. I want to pray for us as a, as, a, as a church family that we can be the light in the dark. All these beautiful Christmas lights up here remind me of what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be the shining light on a hill that attracts people to you, Father. Not to us, not to the name of Greater Alton, but to the name of our Heavenly Father. And that we can honor you with our words and our actions and our thoughts, Father. Help us if we share anything this season, to share your word and your love. It is in your name I pray. Amen. On bended knee I come With a humble heart I come Bowing down before your holy throne Show your mercy and your
make my life.